Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. My dad, he was an old farmer, but he had a lot of wisdom. I was born and raised in a hog farm in Kansas, and we had these track meets when I was growing up. I mean, they'd get out there and they'd grade one of the roads a little bit, you know, and uh, we'd have a track meet. We'd have our races up and down that road and things like that, and they'd dig up a pit and get a bamboo thing, and you'd have the high jump and all that, and we, we just had a good time. But Dad, I was only about seven years old, I think, seven, eight, something like that, and Dad taught me a lesson that I've never forgotten, and it has helped me more in my life, in my ministry, uh, than than many professors have. He said, son, he said, watch this. They was going to have like a 25-yard dash or something. Boom, the gun went off and the kids, they're running and everything. And, and, and I thought everything was cool. Dad says, you see why that boy lost? I said, why? Well, I had no idea what he's talking about. He said, he, he was running to the finish line. He said, because he was running to the finish line, before he got to the finish line, he started slowing down. And the other boy ran right past him. Because he said the other boy was running past the finish line. I said, oh yeah? <laughs> so I watched the next race. And sure enough, you watch some of these people, when they think they just about got, got the, you know, the race, and they start kind of getting cocky and slowing down, and somebody will nose them out. They stop short. You know, I was watching football the other day, and they got down to the, to the I mean, the, the football was right next to the goal line. And it's the fourth quarter, and they, they're gonna, it's a fourth down. All they got's this far. And they stopped short, and they lost the game. Maybe one of our teams around here, I don't know, the Browns messed it up today, but anyway. Stopping short. As I was reading, having my devotions, I. I I thought this thing through, uh, and I'm, I'm going to try to, I hope this will be a blessing to you. I'm going to use some illustrations from the Word of God that shows what I'm talking about. And if you're like this, don't stop. We was, had a great meal tonight. We was having a good time of fellowship, and, and we was talking about the world situation. Everybody's down in the mouth on on about the world situation. And it's not good. But I believe better days are coming. I really do. 
I think we put some of these guys out of office and get some people in office and, and, and Christians would get, get serious about the things of God and, and, and we start getting out there and going soul winning and bringing people to Christ. I think God's going to change some things. Uh, we're not d- done yet. When you stop and think of how it was during the Bible, I mean, you know, we say, oh boy, we just got to, Jesus got to come soon. I mean, everything is just so, so bad. Wait a minute, how many of you are hiding in caves? How many of you are, the, the enemy has, has wrapped you up in goat skin and soaked her down, and, and then as it starts shrinking, it literally crushes you? We have no idea what persecution and problems really are. Now, we have problems, that's true, but we have plenty in the cupboard. You know, we, we, we're doing all right. We got heat in the winter. Now, your gas is going to go up, but it has before and will again. But many times we start looking at the situations and, and, and we stop short. God is trying to bless us. I believe when I was here last, last time, I talked about how pastors, what they're trying to do is they preach. And what I'm trying to do tonight is to lead you into the blessings of God. Now, they, they do that by many, many different ways, and, and they approach it different ways, but always trying to lead their congregation, their members, into the blessings of God. Uh, these little kids, I love watching them. They're, they're so much fun. But their parents don't discipline because they, they hate them. They're trying to lead them into a position that God can bless them. And so tonight, as we look at this thing that I call stopping short, uh, remember what my dad said. Don't run to the finish line. Run past it. You'll never stop short. In 2 Kings chapter 13, if you want to turn there, 2 Kings chapter 13. Now, how many of you remember what a baloney stick is. When I talk about a baloney stick, uh, you, some, of us, some of us older folks, we understand. What, you, you go to the deli now, and they, they have them, but they don't just sell them to you. Mom used to go to the grocery store and get the whole baloney stick. And, and it's about that big around, and, and you slice off the baloney, whether you're frying it or whether you're going to make sandwiches or whatever, and as boys, we were working on the farm, and we'd go in there, and we'd just cut off a big old slab, and we'd just eat it while we was out on the tractor. Well, you put the rest back in there for a later day. My sermons are like baloney sticks. We're just going to go to the time, and we're just going to cut it off and put it back on the shelf. And I think there'll be enough. Uh, you'll get enough out of it tonight, uh, and you can munch on it and, while you're on the way home or whatever. In 2 Kings chapter 13, in verse number 14, the Bible says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, 
Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. May we pray tonight. Father, have your way in each one of our hearts. I pray that you'd help me to deliver this message. Lord, that you would encourage folks, that you would challenge folks. Lord, me included in all of that. Lord, that it might be a blessing to be in the house of God, be with pastor as he's in a different location, being a blessing to other people. Lord, use him. Lord, help us now as we study these words in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we have here is Elisha is, is dying. He's, he's on basically pretty much on his deathbed. And Joash, or Joash uh, the king, comes and he's grieving over this dying man of God. Now look in verse 15. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said unto the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hand. And he said, Open the window eastward, and he opened it, and Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Apex till thou hast consumed them. Now, get the picture. Here's a man that's dying. He's a man of God, a prophet of God, and he said, tells the king, he says, take your bow and your arrows, and he took them. And he said, now shoot. And obviously, he shot a couple arrows, and he explained, uh, Elisha explains what it is and what, that these mean something, okay? The arrows that he shoots are illustrating something, and he tells them, or he tells the king, this is what this is illustrating. Talking about the victory that he's going to have over Syria, uh, uh, these different, these people here. Now, he says, I want you to take up your arrows. Now, I'm dumb, but I ain't stupid. When he's used me shooting as an illustration, and now he takes me and says, I want you to pick up the arrows and do, I want you to strike the ground. Now, just common sense would tell you he's got something in mind. He's telling me to do something. He's illustrating something. And I'm going to kind of get into this thing because I like what I've heard already. This is talking about the deliverance. And so I'm, I'm aware that, that Elisha is, is positioning me. He's doing something, and he tells him to do something. So I need to really be in this thing. I need to be paying attention, and I need to do what he says. So he said in verse number 18, and he said, Take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Smite on the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. 
Then hadst thou smitten Syria until thou hadst consumed them. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. God's trying to deliver them. And he's, he's not really either paying attention or he's not getting what Elisha's trying to do here. And so he, when he says strike the ground, he just takes the arrows and he hits them a couple times on the ground and he stops and like, okay, now what? And the man of God's upset with him. I think many times God's upset with us. Because God tells us to do something, not to hurt us, but to bless us, and many times we stop short. Just before God's going to open that window of heaven and bless us, and we stop short. We're just running to the line. We're not running past that finish line. We're, we're, we're not going beyond anything. This this whole concept. We got to keep fighting. We, I hear people and, and they're, they're just defeated. They're just giving up. Well, I ain't even going to vote. It's no good to vote. Well, just why don't you turn over and die? I'm, I'm telling you, we're not finished. If we were finished, Jesus would have come back. But we're looking to the finish line, but we need to, to live like we're going past that finish line. We are going to run until Jesus comes. Until you hear that trumpet of God, you keep on fighting. You keep on running. You keep on living. You have a positive attitude. You don't get down in the dumps. Listen, my hope isn't in the White House. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is in the people of God. Jesus said, my plan is the church. I'm not going to quit on the church. I'm not going to quit on my pastor. I'm not going to quit on the folks in my church. We're a family. And families keep on going even when things get tough. When it's rough. Don't stop short. He, he just wasn't in this thing. His heart wasn't in it. And because his heart wasn't in it, he stopped short. And he missed the blessings that God was trying to bring him. Turn over to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers, chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, in verse number 26, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. All right, what's going on? God brings Israel out of bondage from Egypt and he brings them up to the border of the promised land. He said, let's go in. Ah, wait a minute, I'm not so sure this is a good idea. 
God said, all right, send out spies and see if it's not a land filled with milk and honey. They send spies, and if you, if you follow through the whole story, they went to every part of Israel. They went from the bottom all the way to the top of Israel, almost up to Damascus, all the way from the ocean to the, to the Jordan to the Dead Sea, all around there. And they, they review some of this in their testimonies and things like this. So they come to this point, and it says, And they brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. How many of you like grapes? I like grapes. We had grapes when we was in Italy. Had our own grape, kind of a grape vineyard there in the yard. And boy, I mean, it was, it was good. I didn't know how to work them, but my neighbor taught me. So we started producing some good grapes. But you know, those grapes are only about that big around. They're just kind of little bitty. The grapes that they brought back, they had to carry on a pole between two men, the cluster of grapes. Now, I've tried to imagine that, brother. Have you tried to imagine? How big was those grapes? <laughs> I'm telling you, you can get a whole glass out of one. Just, boy, I mean, it fills your glass. They was huge. Now, they bring this back to Israel, carrying it on a, on a pole between them because it was so big and heavy and full. And they bring, can you imagine walking into, into the children of Israel in the camp and they seeing that, oh, my stars. Look at there. But watch this. In verse 27, And they told him and said, we came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely, listen to their testimony, surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. It's exactly like God said, and this we brought this back to prove that what God said about it was true. You hear people... They're talking in conversations and they say, God's good. They'll say, boy, God can do this and God can do that. And then they'll, 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 they'll start looking at the world and that they're ready to give up. Just like those spies. Oh, yeah, God, everything's the way God said. And we have the proof right here. But. They're destroying our country. But the price is going to go up. But inflation. But COVID. But, listen, it is the way God said. He says in verse 38, nevertheless, that's a big long word for but. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Didn't God know that? God said, I want you to go into the land. I, I'm going to bless you. I've got a promised land waiting for you. It flows with milk and honey. I'm telling you, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. Everything's going to be okay. 
And they say, wait a minute, there's people there. And they're big ones. God knew that. We act like God didn't know this was going to happen in America. We act like God didn't know what was going to go on in the world. And, and we're, we're sitting back saying, boy, I don't know how we're going to, what, what's God going to do? I mean, uh, it, we just, and I watch Christians and they just, they're scared of their shadow. Many of them don't even come back to church. They're still watching on the, on the video thing. Living in fear. God says, I'm not the author of fear. I'm not the author of confusion. Boy, that, look at the country. Verse 29. He said, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites, they dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. They've been all over and they found all these different people and they said, whoa, we can't go in there. Well, did you think he was going to a place that didn't have people? Did you think that they, you, you were going to a, to a country and there wasn't going to be any problems? God had taken care of them down there in Israel or down in the wilderness all this time, bringing them out of Egypt. Good night, he parted the Red Sea. If he can do that, can't he take care of this little old giant? Man, he's fed us with manna. We have no idea. what It's just there. And cannot God take care of us now in COVID? Well, he didn't say that, but that's kind of the way it's running. Is what God's blessing are supposed to cost you nothing? The people that founded America, it cost them. The people that fought in the Revolutionary War, it cost them. The people that fought in the Civil War, it cost them hundreds and thousands dead on the field. To keep this country safe down through the years, it has cost people. Two veterans every day commit suicide. Why? Because it costs to fight a war. I fought in Vietnam and they played mind games and, and many of them. We didn't have people coming up in the airport and saying, oh, welcome home, thank you for your service. They spit on us and called us baby killers and everything. You talk about mind games. You wasn't liked over there, you wasn't liked here. But life goes on. We, we seem to have this concept that our freedom and, and our spiritual freedom is not supposed to cost us anything. You go back and follow Paul around. Paul was whipped with a cat of nine tails over and over and over. Paul was thrown in prison 
over and over. Beaten. I mean humiliated. Stoned. You look at the other apostles. Didn't go so well for them either. The early Christians, that, that was so much of a problem that they had to leave Jerusalem and they fled to the, all the different parts of the world. It cost them something. But if the preacher preaches 10 minutes more and you can't get out to the favorite restaurant, you complain. I, I, I'm, I'm serious. He, preacher knows what I'm talking about here. Over in Africa, we preach for two hours. If you, don't, if you don't give them the whole bail, they think they've been cheated. Because you didn't come there to feed them, you come there to play games. They come there to listen and learn. We don't have padded pews. Well, I ain't going to that church. There is a little too cold in there for me. Well, I, I just think I'll stay home, watch it on, you know, in my pajamas on the couch and with the little video thing. We are so afraid that, that Christianity is going to cost us something. We, we don't stand up. We don't run for the school boards. But we complain about the school. We don't get involved in politics and we complain about the politicians. You're not going to change it until we do something. Until it starts costing us. Here, they thought, man, he's just going to give it all to us. We're going to have a big welfare state and, and God's just going to, we're going to walk in and just start living in houses and stuff. It don't work that way. In verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. I had an African tell me in a meeting one night, when we was trying to encourage the people and, and we, was gonna, we had a plan, we was going to start going out and planting churches and all these places, he said, we can't do that. I said, why is that? He said, because we can't trust God. And he has never done a thing in his Christian life. I led him to the Lord. I gave him a certificate when he graduated from the Bible college. And 13 churches later, he's still not done a thing, but God went ahead and got something done. We need to have faith in God. We need to start trusting, trusting in him. He said uh, in verse number 32, And they brought up an evil report of the land which had searched and the children of Israel, saying, The land through which ye have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Wait a minute. They didn't get eat up. They didn't get mugged. They didn't get killed. 
the, those big giants and everything, they didn't destroy the spies. We create things in our mind that don't even exist. And we build barriers and excuses for why we can't serve God. They were simply living in fear. Uh, we're not supposed to live in fear. They stopped, trust, stopped trusting God. They stopped short. Here God has them ready to go in the promised land, and they, they stopped short. It cost them 40 years wandering the wilderness for their families, and they died. Every one of them. God was trying to lead them into blessings, and they stopped short. If they'd have just obeyed God, but they stopped short. They missed the victory. They missed the promised land. They missed the blessing. They died in the way. And all that sand and wilderness when God said, I've got milk and honey waiting for you. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. First Samuel chapter 15, look at verse number 3. Talk about Saul, King Saul. It says, Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Every man, every animal, everything, destroy it. Verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. I wish you knew how many times a pastor lays awake at night and literally weeps for people in his congregation, trying to help them, trying to lead them to a blessing, and yet that there's a barrier, yet there's a, 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 a rebellious spirit, that an unteachable spirit, that attitude that, and he weeps and cries and tries, God, give me, help me. Give me direction here so I can help him. And when Samuel arose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to, Sen or to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of God. And if you go to church after church after church, I'm not talking about the Catholic Church, I'm not talking about the Mormon tabernacle, I'm talking about independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist churches. And you ask them, have you done, been doing what the Lord wants you to do? And I'd, I'd almost guarantee you that almost all of them would say, well, yeah. Understand, he just called God a liar. Because God had told Samuel he has, he has not followed me, 
He's turned back from following me and had not performed my commandments. But Saul says, no, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now ask yourself, have you obeyed the commandment of the Lord? Have you obeyed the commandment of the Lord? That's all he asks of us. Verse 14, and Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? He, Samuel says, The proof is right here, Samuel, or Saul. You stopped short of obedience. Why? Because God said, Destroy everything. Verse 15, and Saul said, Well, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice in the Lord thy God, and the rest uh, we have utterly destroyed. You notice when he's talking about them, he says they did all this, but we have utterly destroyed the rest. He cannot see his own disobedience. He refuses to see it. He said in verse 16, then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I'll tell thee what the Lord hath said unto me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Where'd you come from, Saul? You were nothing. You was out there chasing donkeys, mules, trying to find them. Where are they at? You're nothing more than a servant. And God made you king. Where'd you come from? I remember being raised on that, on that hog farm. I remember being lost. I remember being an old drunk in the Navy with absolutely no hope whatsoever. And by God's grace, he saved my wretched soul. Where'd you come from, Saul? We're all going to hell without Christ. But God, by his mercy, saved us. In verse 18, he says, And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Saul, did you obey the Lord? God also says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How we doing? Do you get your pocket full of tracks this week and go out and try to bring somebody to Christ? Or was bringing someone, leading somebody to Christ, going, as God says, was that even in your program at all? See, we say we're obedient, but when... The, comes right back to it, God takes fourth or fifth place. And we're not as obedient as we want people to think we are. Just because, look, I'm retired, supposedly. <laughs> I'm preaching more and doing more stuff. We go back to Uganda on the 15th of December, and it's been a couple months over there. Look, we may be retired, but we're not dead. We still have a life. We still have a phone that we can call people and tell them about Jesus. We still have tracks. We still have the post office, 
slow or fast makes no difference. The mail's still going to get there. And send tracts to people. Send letters to them. Tell them about Jesus. We had a, had a reunion, and, and, and I haven't been to a reunion one time since I, I left high school over 50 years ago. But this time, I, I wrote out my entire testimony, and they sent it to every one of those kids, which are now old as I am. <laughs> but every one of them heard my testimony, how I came to Christ. Got several comments. Listen, we're not as obedient as we want or we th want to think we are. He said, go and utterly destroy them. In verse 19, wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. When we do not obey, we are doing evil. We are disregarding His Word. We are we're nullifying His Word. It's all about us. It's all about self. And God is not necessarily even in our thought process. Notice He goes on. Wherefore did thou not obey, and they, they fly on the spoil, and didst evil? Look, Saul was in charge. Gentlemen, you are in charge of your family. You're in charge of, of, of what you do, and the schedules, and, and whether you, you're faithful in church, and whether you go soul winning, things like that. It, Saul, Saul may said, well, they brought the sheep. Well, yeah, but you're the ones in charge, as as Biden says, the buck stops here, I hope. That's where it ought to stop. And Saul, you messed up. Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way of the Lord, which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Am Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. <coughs> no. You brought the king. God didn't say bring the king. God said kill every man, every woman. Why did he bring the king? Why did he bring the king? Because the pride of a conquering king, they would always try to capture the other king, cut his toes and his thumbs off to where he couldn't function and have him eat at his table the rest of his living life as a pride factor. I am the victor. I have squashed you. And every day it was a daily reminder that he was the big dog and these guys were defeated. And that's what Saul was doing here. That's why the only one he brought back was the king. And he called God a liar again. No, Saul or Samuel, I have obeyed the Lord. No, you're guilty. The proof, just like those, those grapes that they had was the proof, Agag was the proof of his disobedience. Saul reinterpreted God's word. He changed it to match what he was wanting to do and what he was wanting to say. That's what politicians do. That's what Bill Clinton did. He redefined the terms to make it come out the way he wanted it. That's the way both Trump, Bush, all of them, they redefined the definitions 
to mean what they want them to mean so that they don't get in trouble and have to face the consequences. Notice verse 21, but the people took of the spoil, shifting the blame. Not my, I'm not the one at fault. It may be my wife or it may be my children or it may be my boss or what. No, no, uh, you the, you, you're the one leading the people took the spoil of sheep and oxen and chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice in the Lord God at Gilgal. He admit, he knew they were supposed to be destroyed and all he had to say as the leader is you destroy it, we're not doing it. But he wouldn't stand up and take the leadership and do what was right. Verse 22, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat, fat of lambs. The best that we can offer God is not enough. It's not good enough. That's not what he wants. He doesn't want, he need, he didn't need all our money. Yes, he commands us to tithe. And yes, he wants us to give to missions and things like that. But that's not where he's at. He said, I want you just simply to obey me. Part of obeying is trusting the Lord. Obedience. He says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. He lost everything. He stopped short. God was wanting to bless him. He was said, I was going to give you the kingdom forever. But because you stopped short, you did not obey me. I cannot bless you. Now we're at odds. Now we're the enemy. Many believers either have little faith or just content to have little faith. We're, we're content to know salvation, yes, but to find out the deeper things of God, how we can become better soul winners, how we can serve God in a in a better way, how we can get involved in the fight. Well, that leave that to somebody else. No, as long as we're on this earth, as long as we're breathing breath, we should be doing something, serving the Lord. I got, I got pictures of some of our folks that have been on COVID and stuff. And, and, and all the way through in the hospital, on respirators, everything, they're, they're witnessing to the nurses. They're witnessing to the doctors. As long as we have breath, no matter what the circumstances, we must be sharing Jesus Christ. We're so content with our daily walk and our, our life, thinking that we've obeyed God, but if we're going to really be honest with ourselves, we could do more. We could. We could be more faithful. We could be more involved. but we have to make that decision personally. 
You have to make it. I have to make it. Every day, that decision has to be made. Now, one, one last point, and then we're, we're going to go to the house. Agrippa, I'll not have you turn there. You know the story already. Paul was brought before King Agrippa. He was arrested, and, and he appealed to Caesar. And, and you know, they, Agrippa came, and they, they wanted to, to show him some, some real entertainment. So they said, well, let, we'll let you hear Paul. And, and so you know the story in verse, chapter 26 of the book of Acts. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. Paul gives the gospel, and he tells him his testimony, how Jesus Christ met him on the road to Damascus. And how he saved his soul. Now he called him to preach, and, and all he's doing is preaching the gospel. And you go through the whole story, and back there in, in, in verse number 28, it says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Do you realize how close heaven was at that point? Eternal life. Agrippa could have said, Paul, I believe, and I'll receive Christ as my Savior right now. Eternity has changed. Almost. There is no record of Agrippa ever coming to Christ. He stopped short. There are people all through independent Baptist churches that come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and many times years later you find that somebody gets saved. Many of the choice students that come to, we was talking about Bible college earlier, and many of the, many of the students that, that come out of independent Baptist churches come to our school. Many of them. I've led some of them to Christ myself. We play a good game. We, we, we put on the, the game face and, and we go through the motions and everything. But so often what we do is we play the game and we stop short. And you'll find many Christians or professing Christians that will go out into eternity because it was just a game. It was just a religion. I was raised in religion. I rung the bells. I lit the candles. I, I, I knew when to turn to the altar and, and, and speak for the people and turn to the people and speak for God. I knew all that stuff. I was president of the youth group, president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Wouldn't have known God if he'd have walked in and introduced himself. It's easy to play the game. Agrippa stopped short. I beg you tonight, if you're here, and, and I don't care how long you've been a member of this church, or if you're not a member, that's fine. I don't read your mail. I don't know what, who you are, what you're where you're at, where you're going. But if you're just playing a game, you've stopped short. You must put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You must know in your heart and in your mind 
that Jesus Christ died on that cross. He paid for your sins so that you wouldn't have to spend eternity in the lake of fire. You could have eternal life and you have that option. Either you can do like Agrippa and say almost and stop short. Or you can take that step of faith and say, I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. You can be like Saul and, and say, well, no, I, I've obeyed the Lord. I'm a pretty good Christian. But if you'll be honest with yourself, I think every one of us starting right here with this old boy, I can improve. I can do more. I can obey him better. And I'm asking you tonight to take a look at your life. Uh, when, when God is trying to bless you, don't just run to the finish line. Take them arrows and just keep hitting the floor. Just keep pounding them arrows on the floor until God says, stop. Don't hit them anymore. But until God says stop, you keep hitting them. Why? Because you may be stopping short of the very blessings of God. People say, well, I'm going to move to this place. Is there a good church there? Have you really thought it through? Is God telling you to leave? We had 26 families. We quit counting. 26 families come to Uganda and left while we was there. Oh, they come for the long haul when they first testified when they got there. And when I asked many of them, they could not tell me when God told them to leave. They said, we're leaving. Make sure that you're in the center of God's will. That you obey God and you keep striking those arrows. You keep obeying God fully. Whatever God says, it doesn't make any difference. If the world says you're nuts, you obey God. Don't make any difference if you don't understand it. Many people in the Bible didn't understand it. Noah, build an ark. It's going to rain. Uh, sir, what's rain? They didn't understand all these things. Keep striking that ground. Get full victory in your personal life, in your family life, in your church life. Don't give up. Don't stop. Obey the Lord. Don't stop short. Don't stop short on America. I'm telling you, I believe better days are coming. Oh, there are going to be some rough days, yeah. But there was for all the, the Christians in the, in the Bible. But better days did come, and you and I got the gospel. Let's make better days for somebody else. Let's get involved in all the different things that's going on in this church. Young, old, I don't care what you are. Get involved in the ministries of the church until God takes us home. Father, Lord, 
many of these folks have served you for many years, and I appreciate that. And some have only maybe been saved for a short time. Lord, help us not to stop short. Help us to be like Israel or, or to not be like Israel. And when you say to go, uh, they stop short. And they could have been living in the promised land with your blessing. Help us to learn to trust you. Help us to learn to obey you. That you might be first and foremost in our thoughts. That we might see people come to Jesus Christ in our families, in our community. And we might see this church grow and be that lighthouse that you want it to be in this community. Bless each one of them tonight. Help us to make right decisions. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet just quickly? We're not going to have a long invitation. This wasn't, wasn't that type of a message. But you, God may have spoken to your heart and you say, I, I need to make some changes. I need to really start trusting you. I need, to, I need to fully obey you. Not just partially obey you, fully obey you. You may say, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm not even a Christian. And I don't want to stop short and go to hell. I want to, I want to be saved. You might want to just step out of your place and come. Whatever it is, you come as we sing. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church Podcast.